livestream. Okay. Hey, uh, welcome to Probate Weekly. I'm Bill Gross, the LA probate expert amongst real estate agents. But today we have a real legitimate um, probate expert as, as proven by the stuffed animals he keeps in his office. <laughs> um, I'm excited to have Excited to have with us today an estate planning attorney, and I think arguably one of the best, one of the most well-known, certainly amongst my colleagues, uh, thought of as to be the best, uh, particularly with high net worth individuals, estate planning in Southern California, Jeff Condon. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Bill. Uh, you know, just to get this out of the way, the reason for the stuffed animals is because um, this, the, these stuffed animals happen to be in my office. I'm a big Snoopy guy. Um, got Snoopy art all over the place. And you know what? If I don't have these stuffed animals with me in this uh, presentation, then I just become across as the normal boring lawyer who's clinical and has no vo vocal inflection at all. But with these accoutrements in the frame, I become the warm, fuzzy, and entertaining attorney, or at least that's the hope. <laughs> well, and I know you, uh, met you initially through a swim team. We both wanted to uh, I think the largest adult swim team in America. Um, you swim with the fast guys down the first lane uh, in a pink speedo. I'm at the far end with the people barely hanging on to the pool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I, I used to see more regularly pre-COVID. We swam uh, a few days a week. I'd see you naked in the shower. It was one of the thrills of my life. And then um, uh, since then, now, and then one day I saw you in court, I'll dressed up like a like an attorney. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 not really. I'm dressed up. I was thinking, do I wear a, a, a tie? Uh, uh, Bill, I don't yeah. think I've worn a tie um, for maybe more than a year now. So this is now formal attire. This collared shirt, this collared short sleeve shirt, this is what I wear now. And when I meet with new clients, I say, the last thing I say before uh, we, 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 we leave the phone is, just letting you know, I'm dressing casually. If that offends you, let me, let me know. I've never had a response that said, yes, absolutely, how dare you? Uh, you better dress up. Never had that, close to that. In fact, the yeah. response I usually get is, hey, I'll be dressed casual too. So uh, I don't think I could get away with this in New York, but here in, in Southern California, the beach culture, yes, yes, this is uh, well, part for the course. Pre-COVID, I'd see you in court maybe once a week, and inevitably I'd be with another attorney or you know somebody else, and we'd say hello, and they'd say, well, how do you know Jeff? And I'd say, well, actually, I just swam with him naked. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, anyhow. So give us a little background, Jeff. I know you're from the area. And you're, I know your background, but you can share kind of the people on the call today. Uh, where'd you grow up and then how'd you get into practice of law? Uh, well, I was born and raised in Santa Monica. I still live in Santa Monica. I work in Santa Monica. I, I one of the last remaining true natives of, uh, of this town. Uh, my father went to, went to Santa Monica High School. My brothers did, I did, my kids did. So my kids are the third generations of, uh, of native Santa Monicans. Um, I, uh, uh, my father said to me, you know, why did I get into the business? Well, I went into the family business. My dad is an estate planning. He was an estate planning lawyer. He died in 06. Um, but he once said to me, you know, I, I said, as a kid, I said, I don't want to be a lawyer. It's boring. And he said, okay, then, uh, you know, whatever you want to do, you, you should do. But just keep in mind that whatever you do, you don't want to have to count your pennies every time you want to take your wife out to dinner. So, and if you, and if you have a burning passion to do something, you do that. But keep, keep what I said in mind about the financial responsibility. 
Well, I didn't have a burning passion to do much else except, uh, you know, I don't know, watch TV so I and swim. So I said, okay, sure, why not? I'll go into law school. I'll go into family business. And, you know, I didn't have any great passion for it, admittedly. But in the year, in, in, in the year since, uh, the field that I'm in, inheritance planning, uh, I really feel pretty good. It's, it, it sounds trite, but it's true. I'm helping folks, folks out, out at a time, at a time, when, time when, they when they need that help the most. And that means when they're putting together their inheritance plan, when one spouse dies and I'm dealing with the surviving spouse and, and shepherding him or her through the process of, of, of uh, inheritance plan, administration and distribution. And the same thing what happens when the last spouse passes away and I'm dealing with the kids who have just lost their parents. And I feel like almost like a superhero you know, coming in with my specialized knowledge to help them uh, through the myriad of uh, legal and um, administrative things that have to happen and take place in order for a smooth transition of wealth from deceased parents to live children. So uh, I know that sounds trite. And if I'm hearing that, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, BS. But it's true. That's absolutely how I feel. I really feel like I'm making a difference. I'm not suing corporations. I'm not chasing ambulances. Uh, I'm really doing something that's uh, helping folks out. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that's responsive to your inquiry, yes? Yeah, well, and, and you're doing that while surrounded with stuffed animals. I think it's an important <laughs> distinction to add in. Well, well, like I said, I'm a big Snoopy guy. I've always been. So I've got, you know, so it what sure makes it easy for when my kids are buying me Father's Day presents and birthday presents. They said, oh, just buy him anything yeah. Snoopy. He'll be fine. The Garfield, I bought this for my grandmother on her 90th birthday. My grandmother died when she was 103. Um, still kind of right now. We're only at like 500 million this year, so we're a little bit behind. Like he's struggling with that emotionally, and I'm like you know, playing violin. <laughs> what was that? Oh, but anyway, um, and this is kind. Of, this is kind of uh, very random. But one of the things that I tell clients to do is if they have certain items they want to go to certain people, certain of their stuff. I say put your you put your intended recipient's name on a piece of masking tape on that thing, that item, that hutch, that armoire, that refrigerator, that clothes, you know, that, that, that uh, whatever. Well, my grandmother took my advice and she put my name on the bottom of Garfield here because I wanted it back uh, after she passed. And you know what? She did. So this has been in my office since, uh, since my grandma passed away uh, in you know, 20, 2000 and whatever, eight. So that's why Garfield's here. Garfield's okay, but Snoopy's the best. <laughs> you got a bunch of Snoopy in the pub. Um, West can't Olympia. hear you, buddy. Um, there you go. Whoa, can't hear me. I'll just say I um, was born in Santa Monica. I'm a native as well. Yeah. Although I take. A bit about. Um, go a little deeper on the estate planning part. Basically, your the goal is for you to help people accomplish their goal after they pass and protect themselves while they're alive and avoid litigation. What are some of the common mistakes you see people make when they come to you? People don't come to you, I don't think, initially as often as they should preventively. I'm sure you get people come to you and have a problem mm -hmm. uh, many times. What What is the most common problem that people come to you with that you think would be preventable? Well, you know, that that's, you know, I, I'm glad you asked me that. And I'm going to 
uh, amend that a little bit in order to uh, uh, dovetail into my agenda, which is which is not which is not diverting from your question at all, but it fits into something I wanted to say. You know, today, you know, uh, you know, TikTok is really big, as you know, and one of the current trends on TikTok is when professionals or persons who are in business um, say the top five things they wouldn't do um, in their opinion as a person working in that business. So a medical doctor, you know, a brain surgeon says five things I would not do uh, based on my experience as a brain surgeon or uh, for a, um, oh, who was the other day? Five things I would not do from a person who's in the, who's a uh, uh, real estate broker or whatever thing. So I wrote down five things, five things that I would not do it, you know, as, uh, as a person well-versed in the field of estate planning, five things. And so you asked me about what are the common pitfalls or mistakes or problems. I, I wrote these down uh, right before our meeting. But first of all, you know, and I'll just go through these real quick. Don't die with the child owing you money because when you die, everything that you own passes to your children in equal shares in the main. And everything that you own includes the debt that one child owed to you. So now that debtor child becomes a debtor to his siblings or her siblings. And those siblings are going to want that debtor sibling to pay up. And there goes the family relationship. So don't die with the child owing you money. The second thing I wouldn't do is don't name just one of your children as the successor trustees of your living trust. The successor trustee's job, you know, pretty much everybody who's watching this has a living trust. The living trust provides that after you die, your children will come in and they will succeed you as your successor trustee to be the delivery boy of the assets that are in the trust to the beneficiaries who are set forth in your inheritance instructions in your living trust. And if you have three kids, you're your inclination is to say, eh, too many cooks spoil the broth. I'm just going to name one of my children to be the delivery boy trustee to carry out my inheritance instructions. Well, I have learned that that's not the way to go. Efficiency does not always, uh, does not always uh, mean uh, efficiency, especially in such a high, uh, an emotionally fraught dis, uh, uh, arena as the inheritance arena. Because if you just name one child out of three children to carry out your instructions, well, that those cutout children may think, hey, we were mom and dad didn't think we were smart enough or to do the job, or that they didn't trust us enough to do the job, even if that was not in mom and dad's uh, uh, mindset. They're just thinking efficiency. Or the and and the children out of power often contest the job that the trustee child is doing. Hey, I haven't heard from that kid in a while. Haven't heard from our sister or brother in a while. What's he or she doing? And, uh, you know, gee, what is he charging for his fees? And, you know, whatever it is, it's unfair. And what attorneys are, are, are being hired? What accountants are being hired? Uh, you know, what tax positions are they, is he taking? Are they disadvantaged to, disadvantageous to us? There's just a whole bunch of, uh, you know, there's just a whole bunch of things that the successor trustee has to do in order for a smooth transition of wealth from one generation to the next. And if all the children 
all the siblings are not involved in that, then that could run into some big time problems, especially if there is a vacuum of information. Because when you have silence, when you have a vacuum of information, then what's going to fill that vacuum? It's going to be suspicion. So don't, you know, so so name, so so appoint all your kids as as trustees of your trust, unless there's a good reason not to. One kid's on drugs, one kid you haven't talked to in 20 years. Um, okay. The next thing that I wouldn't do as an estate planning attorney advising a client is don't leave your children an unequal inheritance. Do not leave your children to be, don't treat them unfairly. And unfairly to your kids means unequal. All right. Well, that's easy. You know, you say, okay, I'm going to leave my kids uh, everything I have, one third, one third, one third. Okay, three kids, fine. You think that's equal, but it's it, equal does not necessarily mean fair if you, mom or dad, gave more to some children during your life and less to the child who has gotten the short end of the stick. From a parent's perspective, you know, why should they care about that? They were helping a child out during their lives when that child needed help, uh, financial help to start the business, you know, uh, buy, put the down payment on the home, uh, you know, help their kid out with braces, pay for that wedding, whatever. You know, the kid, the, the parents are saying, hey, we're helping out the, the kids when they need that help and they're not keeping a scorecard. But the ones who are keeping a scorecard are all the kids. And if those children are not given uh, the uh, additional funds to make up for the gifts that the others got, then they perceive that it's they've been treated unfairly and they're going to keep that in mind as they progress in life with their relationship with their siblings. I understand, I'm the first person to understand that parents really don't need to keep track of all the lifetime gifts they made to all their children. But my advice is based on everything that I've seen, and all the fallout that I've seen after parents die and children divide the money, that the parents should at least consider, consider equalizing uh, gifts that the parents made to more children than the others over their lifetime. Because wow. if you don't, then it's quite possible that your children, who are the most precious possessions in your life, and you want to be sure to have a good relationship after you die, do not split up over this uh, perceived unequal inheritance. So that's three things, Bill. Three things of don'ts, you know, and these are the biggest problems that I see in the inheritance plan. Just two more. I know I'm going on this soliloquy, but you got me started. So now you're going to regret your decision. Two more. Uh, don't allow your children to blow the dough. Don't leave them their inheritance in such a way that they will be in a position to, uh, you know, throw it in the street or lose it in a divorce or you know, it all winds up with their, with their, uh, their, you know, the, your, your son's uh, widow's uh, second husband's kids from his first marriage. You have to understand that when you leave your assets to your children, it becomes theirs. They can do whatever they want with it, but they can also lose it to all the risks in their life. So the parents have to account, you know, and they have to, you know, examine who are their kids. Are their kids responsible? Or do they have financial maturity? Uh, are they in a business where there is a high uh, malpractice uh, uh, litigation rate? So we, we take that information and we say, okay, maybe it's your children should receive it in a way that protects it from those potential risks of loss, okay? Mm -hmm. And the last one is don't allow 
don't have an inheritance plan that allows more of what you own to go to you, to the IRS than your children or grandchildren. And that's the topic of estate tax planning. Maybe not so relevant right now for most people who are listening to this or watching this, because right now there's an exemption from the estate tax of 12 million, which means you can die with 12 million uh, with, 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 with less than 12 million and not have, and not your kids don't have to pay any estate tax. But that 12 million exemption goes back down to 5 million in 2025 or six. Um, the estate tax exemption is a political football. It's changed with every single presidential administration uh, since Bush in 2000. It's the biggest political football I've ever seen. I've never known another tax or other law that has changed every single time there's a new administration. Yeah. So who knows if you vote uh, Republican in 2020, uh, you know, in, in November, maybe we won't have any estate tax and therefore, you know, uh, exemption doesn't apply. But, you know, we'll, chances are we'll still have a $5 million estate tax exemption. And if you die with less than 5 million, there'll be no estate tax. But if you have more than 5 million, which is easy to do in Southern California with real estate values so crazy, then yeah, there are plans that we can be put in place where more or all of what you own goes to your children, grandchildren, and less to the IRS. Okay, now I'll shut up. <laughs> and I'll let oh, Snoopy do the talking. Snoopy has <laughs> got a few things to say. You're not going to shut up. I'm going to ask you questions and engage you in the <laughs> discussion. So it's interesting that you're obviously very passionate about it. And that's what I admire. Um, you know, the side note to me else on this call, one of my best friends has a life cast and he uh, he and I were chatting one day and he was so proud that he had a great guest who he called the best estate planning attorney in LA on his call. This was about a year ago. I said, really, who was that? And he made it was you. And I, I said, well, that's funny. my call this week too. So yeah. uh, I think a lot of you and I, I really appreciate your passion for your work and I admire and try to do the same thing in my work. It's interesting of your five things, I think four of those I would call soft or non-technical legal issues. Uh, Mm -hmm. legal but the other four really um are based on your personal experience in the mm -hmm. field and your having to manage i guess the relationships separate from the law mm -hmm. or, or as the attorney i don't mean to say it's not part of your job but it is so describe that a little bit that's an interesting um mm -hmm. is it just interesting to note uh your work is very sophisticated i've seen you in court, I've seen you. Um, uh, this by your best four five or you know, soccer relationship oriented is that design? Is that involved? Is that what you well, enjoy? How does that happen? Well, well, that's very perceptive, Bill, because there are two sides to estate planning. Actually, I think estate planning is a misnomer, um, it really is inheritance planning because people hear the word estate planning, they think, Well, I don't have an estate, so I don't need any kind of planning whatsoever. Well, even if you don't have a house, you don't have real estate, you don't have much, you still have stuff and assets that you want to go to the next generation after you die. So I like the term inheritance planning. You know, everybody needs inheritance planning, but it's kind of like insurance. A lot of everybody needs, ins you know, insurance, whether it's uh, healthcare insurance or life insurance, whatever, but not everybody has it. So I, I like, you know, I like in the state uh, inheritance planning to that, but you know, so yeah, I try so to broaden broad the concept. And in inheritance planning, there's two, two sides to it, which you've already alluded to. You've said that the, the first four are non-technical. 
the way I phrase that is those are not, those are the, that, that's the family side, the human side, the, the estate tax one, the fifth one, that's the money side, you know, and, uh, you know, the money, you know, and, and saving estate taxes is the money side, avoiding probate is the money side, you know, and as my dad said, hey, a monkey can do that stuff, you know, it just, you know, push a few buttons, you put, come up with some plans to do just that, reduce, you know, avoid probate, save estate tax is fine. It's still an important part. But I consider myself a, a student of my father. My father was the one who said, it really is the family side that becomes more important, that, you know, just or just as important as the money side. And uh, I already alluded to it, Bill, but, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, want to, you know, die knowing that the plan that they've come up with in their inheritance in the inheritance plan is not going to do harm between their families. I mean, maybe their maybe their kids are already estranged. Maybe they don't talk to each other. Uh, but in most situations, the kids are friendly. They chat. They talk. They get together maybe for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and you know all is well. But they don't want to make they don't want to create a divisiveness or a conflict or chaos into that family unit by making uh, uh, inadvertent you know, plans in their inheritance plan, you know, making an inheritance plan that inadvertently creates that conflict and divisiveness that not only will separate the, the, their, their, their kids, but will also uh, go down to the grandkids because the grandkids won't, you know, on all the factions with all the siblings, they won't even talk to each other. And a lot of times they don't even need, know the reason why. So we've seen enough of that divisiveness over the plans that we came up with over the years uh, as a result of not knowing what we didn't know. You know, we said, gee, you know, okay, yeah, it sounds fine. Uh, we'll just leave everything to the kids in equal shares. Great, you know, basic plan. But then we saw the fallout that took, that place, took place when these kids who got an equal uh, division started accounting for the lifetime gifts that they got from mom and dad during mom and dad's lifetime. And when that scorecard wasn't equal, boy, did we see some, uh, some emotional fallout as a result of that, 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 that uh, uh, separated those once close kids. And we saw that repeat itself over and over again. And we saw the situation where the, 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 the son inherits, the daughter inherits, they put the assets that they inherited into joint names with their spouses, and then there's a divorce, and then the spouse walks away with, you know, the former daughter-in-law, son-in-law walks away with one half. Or the, um, as I mentioned, you know, if, uh, you know, son, you know, loves his wife, puts his name on to the inherited assets jointly, son, and then son dies, it all goes to, to the wife, she remarries, and it ends up with the, uh, the kids of her second husband. So we've seen all these things, but we didn't, it took a long time uh, because in the first, you know, 20 years of my, of my dad's practice, he didn't have a lot of clients die. But when I came into the practice, I don't think this was, uh, there's an association to this, but, you know, clients started dying in volume. I will pick you up with one hand. Yeah. By your tent. Who's that guy? So body slam your ass. And when I'm standing on top of you and you're like, and I'm grabbing you. Okay. Okay. Well, that's Andrew Tate. Nice. So anyway, um, it's so so we saw these things happen, and these were things that inadvertently took place. In you know that 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 were not intended. You know, I think my what do we call it? The law of unintended consequences. 
Well, these were the unintended consequences. So now we, you know, the, the books that I wrote, they're, they're full of cautionary tales. It says, hey, we saw this because of a plan that we happened to screw up on because we didn't think about it. But now that we've seen it, we've seen that the plans that we caught, that we created years ago inadvertently created chasms in the family. Now we say, hey, now we recognize that potential issue and now we can come up with plans to resolve those issues. So family side, the blood side, keeping money in the family bloodline, making sure that the family plan, the inheritance plan does no harm, just as important, if not more important than the money side. Very, very perceptive, Bill. Good. You know, I, I uh, and it's interesting, I, I'm a big advocate that, and, and I know we may disagree on this, but just from a business point of view, wow, look at this, somebody's blowing up the chat box too. Um, and Tate, man, is a bad guy. That's a shame. <laughs> Hold on one second here. Just I'm going to leave Andrew Tate everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make sure that all my clients leave Andrew Tate everything he, that they, they have. Yeah. He just got recorded, so he's he's gone. And uh, we, we will. So, uh, so what I was going to say is, oh, that's so aggravating. Um, Where do I want to go with this? I don't know. Uh, so you, okay. can we can we talk so about gonna, swimming gonna, instead? Gonna, That's more exciting. From a business point of view, not from a legal point of view, um, but from a business point of view, I would say that you know a good chunk of people are better off with a almost bad estate plan than no estate plan, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in a probate court versus probate court, at least you have if at least you have an estate plan. I don't know. Apes at a time will stay out of court. It may have all the soft problems you discussed, but you'll avoid probate court as a place to solve them. Mm -hmm. But what I also have figured out in talking to you is that sounds good, but you know, 10, 20 years from now, when these boilerplate companies, estate plans come to reality, it's easy to write mm -hmm. the plan and take mm -hmm. the, and cash the check. What's harder is, well, how do people deal with it when the plan goes into effect? And that's the part mm -hmm. that's the challenge, right? So um, and, and I'm sure one of the way you see that. So I would just say, or let me ask you, for people who can't afford a proper Can't afford uh Ooh, you got stuck. Properly a proper attorney sit-down uh, consultation. Um, you know, there are cheap plans. You get what you pay for it. Mm -hmm. Do you see them as better than nothing? Do you see them as counterproductive? You know, what do you, mm -hmm. for the modest family that, Maybe just it's it's a stretch. Mom or dad are failing of health. They want to get something on the books. Um, what do you recommend to people in that position? You just can't really. Um... Yeah. Well, th this is another relevant matter you've brought up. Uh, just this week alone, I have seen uh, I've I've seen folks. And by the way, uh, any estate, any inheritance planning attorney, any attorney who does what I do, um, should not charge for that first consultation, whether those folks don't have a, a plan, whether they do have a plan and the attorney's job is to review it and talk about, talk with the client to see if the, that, to, if that plan is still relevant, that consultation should be free, should be free, free. because, you know, out of necessity, even if it's not out of uh, one's good grace, because I don't know what kind of job that I, I need that I'll be doing until I see what that plan is and I talk with the clients. I can't charge, I can't quote a fee until I know what the work is going to be. 
Right. Uh, so I think out of necessity, that has to be a first, that first consultation has to be without charge. Um, so, so that's, that's the first thing. Second thing is that this week alone, I've had, uh, I, I've gotten two new pieces of business, which involve slimming down and simplifying, uh, inheritance plans. These happen to be living trusts done by the same, you know, push a few buttons company, you know, uh, you know, one of those volume produced living trusts that is just too sophisticated for the facts at hand. So, um, you know, they said this, we, you know, that's, they get, you know, a ton of documents, the clients have never read it. They don't understand it. And when I, when I, it takes me five minutes to go through it to, you know, to the greatest hits and say, this is what you got. And they say, no, that doesn't, that's not what we want. Or if it was something they wanted to go, that doesn't apply now. So they got to come to someone like me and they say, okay, what will you charge to amend this? Sometimes just redo the whole thing. So um, then I quote a fee and that fee is a flat fee. And the flat fee means that they don't have to look at their watch every time they talk to me on the phone or email me or meet with me or to discuss changes because that's what the flat fee is. And the flat fee is based on the work that is, is based on what their needs are and what their needs are not. Um, yeah, one of the reasons people hate lawyers is that we have to charge for our fees. We have to charge for these services. I get it. I get it. Uh, you know, a lot of times, most people's, well, a lot of times, people's first experiences with a lawyer is when they come and talk to someone like me, who's going to now do their inheritance plan or change it up, um, or the second lawyer they've seen because they saw somebody else uh, prior to me to do their inheritance plan. You know, they've never, they've, they've not been divorced. They've not set up a corporation. They haven't set up a business. They haven't been charged with a crime. So they're seeing someone like me, you know, a guy with Snoopy all over his office and who's wearing, you know, green collar shirts, you know, uh, you know, but so, you know, I, I, I try to be competitive. I would say that 70% of the people that I see for flat rate trust work, whether it's a new trust or whether it's an amendment or a restatement of an existing trust, I would say 70% fall somewhere between 2000 and 5000. And the other 30% could be below that or above that. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, is it based on a percentage of the assets? Absolutely not. I've done, I've done inheritance planning work for clients with 20 million and it cost $2,500 because it was very basic. On the other hand, I've had some clients who have just had massive sophisticated inheritance plan instructions and all they own was a house. And I've charged 20,000. In fact, on the, with those kinds of clients, I try to quote more than what I think I should be charging so that they'll go away because they're just, it, it's just counterproductive to have such a, it, super sophisticated Star Wars plan for a simple house that they want to keep in the families for generations and generations and generations. They want to be sure it's not sold and they have to account for all of these different rules and regulations. Well, so I, you know, sometimes the clients surprise me. I, char I charge a fee. I, I, I quote a fee to hope that they will say no, but they say, yeah, sure, let's do it. So eh, I don't know how that makes people perceive me, but uh, you know, whatever people, whatever floats people's boats, you know, I'm happy to do, this is what I do. Uh, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, their, their wish is my command, but it's my job to advise them if something, if something is, is overly complex for the, for, for the situation 
or needs more complexity for the situation. Okay. Um, Another reason. I appreciate that because there are times that might thought it'd be it would be worth your time. So it's good to know. Um, Jen has her hand up um, in the chat box. Let's go ahead and get her unmuted. She's got her video on. Jen, how what's going on with you? Can oh. you hear me now? Yeah. Hello. Okay. Hey, how are yeah. you? Hey, um, have you been, have you been staying awake during my uh, diatribes here? Yes, uh, my dad was a lawyer, so oh, okay. Was kind of, yeah. So anyway, um, I'm a realtor. I've been one for 26 and a half years. I'm in the Atlanta market. So, um, but I used to live in Manhattan Beach. So, uh, you know, it, many years ago, so that was my California time. Question for you: The other day. Um, uh, somebody was talking to me about a legacy trust. Um, I have some stock in a bank here in Georgia that's going to be selling my husband's company. We're getting ready to come into some things. Our kids are in their 20s. And I'm also doing a lot of probate and estate stuff. Just it's fallen into my lap. So it's like, mm -hmm. I think I'm going to kind of go into that direction. Tell me what, like I said, somebody mentioned a legacy trust. Can you talk a little bit about that just general yeah. high okay. you know well, i i have to make an assumption that the legacy trust is another name for a type of trust that is fairly common but somebody just happened to call it a legacy trust um i'm perceiving that that trust is a type of trust where property goes into this trust you know trust is like a bucket it's right. in this bucket and the persons who have establish this bucket. They're the settlers. They own this property during their lifetime. They can do whatever they want. But when these settlers die, the inheritance instructions in that trust document say something to the effect of, this property shall stay in trust for the rest of our children's lives. And during, um, okay. and, and during uh, our children's lives, here are the rules that, that apply to this trust. Sometimes it'll say that the property can't be sold. Sometimes it'll say if it is sold, it right. must it must be used to purchase another property, or so or it'll say, uh, you know, or and it will say, and while the property is uh, still intact and in this trust, it can it can be rented out and the rent will go to the children in equal shares, or it will say uh, it can provide to be a principal residence of one of our kids or most of our kids, and uh, and and we have rules about. Who can live there at what time and should they pay rent? So you have these, you have this property in this trust that's got all of the instructions that by mm -hmm. which the trust has to be uh, administered and held and distributed that the property is. And then it says, okay, when the last of our children die, well, now what? Well, this if if the if the person who set up this trust says, we want this property to be the pyramid to our future generations. Well, that property still may be uh, considered um, untouchable while it's in the hands of the, the grandchildren. So now maybe the grandchildren can't sell it or the grandchildren can charge rent, whatever. Now these rules and regulations and do's and don'ts apply to the grandchildren. Okay, that could be in the form of a generation skipping trust. Uh, it could be in the form of um, this legacy trust or what have you. But I think that's, Probably what, what do you think? Does that kind of uh, sound like what you're understanding what that legacy trust is? Yes, and that 
that they could almost generation skip, that mm -hmm. that was one thing he said about it. The other thing was that there was some tax benefit to using this yeah. specific trust versus mm -hmm. just a regular. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that so, was, that, yeah, well, the, the, the IRS less money. Yeah, the tax benefit would be that if this was a, a, uh, uh, generation skipping trust that has all the required bells and whistles that the IRS requires be uh, mm -hmm. uh, requires to exist in order for it to be considered a generation skipping trust. The benefit of that is so that the, that when the property goes from, so here, you know, mom and dad die, you know, property stays and, you know, goes in the generation skipping trust, the children of mom and dad are the beneficiaries. So when those children die, and that property or the sale proceeds therefrom or whatever's in mm -hmm. that generation skipping trust will go to their kids with no estate tax. Okay. No estate tax. So, okay. you know, my dad used to say there's no second bite of the tax apple because maybe there'll be an estate tax after, after mom and dad are dead when the property goes to the generation skipping trust. Well, okay. the purpose of that is to avoid that second bite of the tax apple on the same property when the property goes from those deceased children to their children that i think that's maybe what uh okay you're referring to yeah. yeah yeah just no double taxation correct yeah no second bite of the tax apple yeah uh, thank you very much jeff sure that'll be twelve thousand dollars <laughs> checks in the mail fax it to me fax me the check <laughs> so if you have some fans here somebody scott was on the call the last time you were on my show and said last time you're getting ready to have surgery on your shoulder and they're wondering how your shoulder is. So I've seen you in the pool. I know you're back in the pool. How, how is your shoulder? Hello? Who's that too? Who's that question for? Scott is on the, is on the call and he's oh, asking okay. about your shoulder. Uh, how is your shoulder? You had surgery on it about a year ago or six months ago? I don't see this guy. Well, he's he's not in. I just uh, just his comment in the in the chat box. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't see a chat box. Okay, all right. Okay, God, no. I okay. Um, I thought I thought maybe you were referring to. I know you couldn't have been, but you know, about a, you know more than a year ago, I was running, with, running my with my dog, fell down, and had the first fractures of my life. Uh, you know, fractured uh, fractured rib, fractured. Uh, radial, you know, uh, elbow, a radial neck fracture. God, that was horrible. And the first thing that I thought of when I went down was how is this going to impact on my swimming? <laughs> that, that's the only thing I could think about. So there, and there that is. is. And the answer is? Yeah, well, I, uh, I refused to let it take me out of the water for too long. And I got back in too soon and I re-injured my rib. And, um, I became Mr. Peloton for a few weeks after that. And then when I got back in, I was just doing one arm, one arm swimming and kicking, one arm swimming and kicking. And, you know, I mean, just like anything, you just got to, you know, keep at it. Don't get too demoralized. Um, because I was really, at, I thought, relatively high level before I went down. Well, I've been, I come back and then I got sick again and, then uh, earlier this year, I uh, no in May, uh, it just when I got back in shape, I got married, uh, but that required a honeymoon abroad. So 
uh, didn't really swim too much there. And when I got back, I tested positive for COVID. So I was out for, I really wasn't swimming there for three or four weeks. And, you know, came back slow, but I, I think I'm doing pretty good now. But I think I may have lost five seconds, which, you know, and, and civilians will think, well, that's not so bad. But as you know, civilians meaning non-aquatic people, but as you know, Bill, that's huge in the water. Right. Yeah. Especially at your, at your end of the pool. My end of the pool, it kind of gets mixed in. The end of the pool, that's, that's a couple lanes you're talking about. That's very competitive. It's a yeah. very big deal. He's talking about it. It's a big deal. So It, it is, especially if you're in a competitive lane and you don't want to and, and nobody and Bill, nobody wants to lead. I lead because I, you know, I have no problem leading. Zero. I am happy to lead because I know that at least the only one interfering with my own workout is me, you know. But, um, but that's become at a default over the years because nobody wants to to lead. But, but so if I'm leading, I got to maintain that that lane two position and not fall back. You know, so, you know, if I got to do a 120 base for yards because the people behind me are doing 120 base, that puts a little more pressure on. But I, I do, you know, I, I'm not saying I like the pressure. Actually, not the best part about the workout is when it's over. You know, <laughs> you always tell me, have fun. I go, it's not fun. There's nothing fun about it. I, I, that's how I feel afterwards. It's really not fun. So. Getting up at 440 in the morning, to get in the water at 5:30 is not fun. Getting yeah. immersed in water at 5:30 is not fun. So, uh, but what's fun is when it's over and you feel that sense of accomplishment. So early in the morning and you have the rest of your day. That's fun. Um, so I've since become OCD about it. If I don't get that morning swim in, then uh, there's something off. There's something wrong. So unless I'm on vacation, or unless I'm really sick or really hurt and I can't get in the water. Um, then I will be in the pool and, uh, feeling like, and, and, and feeling like myself afterwards. Uh, I'm a better person for having done. It. Um, and also, you know, I love cookies. <laughs> cookies. And that's actually a pretty, that's not a joke. I love cookies. I inhale them and I do that every day. And if I don't swim, then, you know, um, I, it's, it's just going to have an adverse physical impact on me. So, yeah. So it gives it allows me to afford that. In Mark my Price, hand up. I'm sorry. Mark Price, hand up. Let's bring you. In. You got a question for us? Hey, Bill. Hey, uh, Jeff. I've got my own little Snoopy guy. I got my Snoopy's <laughs> here. I collect Snoopies as well. Well, isn't that a coincidence? Who does no, that? No, it's not. <laughs> um, I've had a situation come up where. Uh, the the family there's four siblings and the mother and father decided to give it to the person who they thought was the most stable uh, sibling because one was bipolar the other one was uh, had some deep psychotherapy issues that needed to be taken care of and the other one was an alcoholic mm -hmm. and the fourth one was just a busy guy all the time in technology so you know it's it, you we call it uh, late adults set ADHD. Mm -hmm. but anyway <laughs> yeah okay what the attorney and what the clerk of court wanted us to do was to be their referee and it's it's something that i wanted your opinion on as to how you would step into that and say look this really needs uh this is really outside of my purview what do you think 
uh, about bringing in some other kind of specialists because this is not something that we can do as a state specialist. Okay. Matt, are you talking about a trust or a plan that says that when the, when the parents die, all the assets go to one child for hopeful distribution to the other children? Are you talking about the, the, the office, the capacity of the successor, uh, of the delivery boy, the successor trustee after both mom and dad pass? Is that what right. you're talking after about? After mom and dad passes, it's okay. just a will that says the, mm -hmm. this one person has to split everything up, but everybody thinks that there's more there than- No, I get it. So they fight. named, there's four kids and they named one to be the after-death delivery boy, right. their after-death agent. And they, the based after -death it on, and, and they based it on reasonings that they felt made sense to them. Right. One has ADHD, one is maybe financially immature, one is too busy. So they named someone and now that person's, it has the role of, of carrying out those instructions, which say all the assets in equal shares to everybody, I'm assuming, I'm Correct. assuming. Okay, so that's a, you know, that's a lot of power for that one successor trustee, that one delivery boy, because that person, that person in power now gets to decide what each of their shares will consist of. And because the trusts usually say that there's always a, uh, there's a provision there. It's pretty a standard boilerplate. Mm -hmm. And it says in a, in a nutshell that the trustee has the power to distribute assets to each beneficiary pro rata or non pro rata, which is fancy legal language saying, as long as everybody's shares are equal, the trustee can decide what those shares will consist of. Well, maybe the, maybe the beneficiaries will say, Hey, we don't, you know, that's not what we want to even split in everything, or we don't want those assets. Those assets are going to not appreciate in value in a million years or, 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 or something else like that. So now the question is, this person, what does he, what does he or she do? Well, you know, solicits the opinion of, of the others to say, okay, this is what I want, don't want. Now you have a lot of competing desires. Um, so I see the problem. You know, it, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, am mm -hmm. I defining the, the, the circumstance uh, uh, adequately? Uh, is this what's going on? Well, the one with who had ADHD was the executor and the, old, oh. the other three had more serious issues. I, I see. Okay. All right. The executor asked the attorney to step in and help with, with trying yeah. to keep the, the, the herd corralled. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, beneficiaries, you know, it's, you know, being the trustee, being the executor, it's, you know, it's fraught with, you know, with, with people with liability. If a beneficiary doesn't like <clears throat> the proposed distribution or what or how the trustee is, is doing his or her job, it can be, you know, they can sue him. I've got a situation right now where there's two sisters and they're absolutely battling each other over everything. And one of them is the trustee and that's my client. And every single move that my trustee client makes is challenged by the other sister who's the beneficiary. And a trustee has fiduciary duties to that beneficiary to administer the trust estate with uh, loyalty and, and, um, and not with that, without bias, which is tough to do when that trustee is also a beneficiary. So that can all be called into question and some disgruntled beneficiary or, you know, just out of pure family baggage, negative family history can get a lawyer and, you know, try to motivate that trustee to do what he or she wants that, uh, what the beneficiary wants to do. So getting oh, a third party involved, that's not a bad idea because now the, 
because now there's a sounding board out there that the trustee can use to say, well, this is what this is based the, the, the decisions I'm making are based on this information and it's an informed decision by someone who does this every day. So right, a third party. It's, it's, it's not a bad idea. It's kind of like going to a mediator, someone who's versed uh, in this area, someone who's you know maybe a private fiduciary who's in the business of being a trustee. Like you know, there's a group called California Professional Fiduciaries Association, and these folks uh, are in the business of being trustees. So sometimes, you know, so uh, the trustee, now the trustee is ultimately responsible from a liability standpoint for all the decisions made. But the trustee certainly can consult whoever he or she wants in order to make those decisions, whether investment decisions, distribution decisions, uh, tax decisions, whatever. And, you know, and that's fine. That's fine. You know, uh, you know, I've got a client who's a trustee. He's terrible with money. He doesn't know anything, but he can consult with people who are, who are well-versed mm -hmm. in that. So I think it's absolutely fine for a trustee who is not experienced or is nervous or is uh, uh, concerned about his backside or backside to consult with someone who knows, who, who knows more than, than what he does. That's a fine decision. Whether those decisions will be accepted by the beneficiaries, well, that's another issue. And some disgruntled yeah. beneficiary will say, mm -hmm. no, I want this instead of that or whatever, then, you know, then that's what- Yeah, at that point in time, it got up there to the courts and, and I turned around to the four of them and I said, look, every time that you file something, it costs you money. Yeah. So don't be surprised that there's nothing left. That that's true. That's that's uh, when when a beneficiary files an action against a trustee, the trusts have a provision in there which say that any that the trustee can attack. Excuse me, the trustee can defend mm -hmm. against that attack of the trust or the trustee's duties, unless the trustee's engaging in fraud, and use trust estate funds for that defense. So if that goes on for a long time, then that diminishes the amount in the trust estate for distribution to the ultimate beneficiaries. Absolutely. Right. And that's explained to the beneficiaries. But if the beneficiaries have an ax to grind, you know, they're just going to you know, say, we don't care. They're we don't grind. care. I've had clients, I've had a trust estates diminish significantly over battles over the personal property distribution. That's the stuff where the lawyers, the opposing lawyers are looking at each other cross a desk and saying to them, you know, with, 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 the, with, the, with eyes that say, essentially, can you believe this is what we went to law school for? You know, I got that right now. I got that. And, and, I, and this other attorney, he's got to go along with the program of what his client wants. I get this, this lawyer's letters. And these lawyer's letters are filled with venom, putting on a show for his client saying, my client wants this hutch. My client wants this, uh, you know, uh, these Olympic pins from 1984. I'm not kidding. This is real, you know, and we don't get those and we're going to, you know, you know, file an action, whatever. And I know for a fact that that is public relations for the client because I've talked with this attorney and we're saying, can you believe this? So, you know, it's, uh, this is, this is the fallout, you know, from family baggage, but, but there are ways around it. There are ways to draft around these kinds of problems.
So anyway, I digress. I go on. I got a million stories and, uh, you know, but there you go. Thanks, Matt. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. So look, we're kind of at the end here. So what, what I want to do is uh, first uh, thank Jeff. You know, we uh, this was a little bit more in the weeds of the technical side of your business. Um, oftentimes we talk about the business. How do we do business development? But I think um, really what you gave us today was a real flavor of what it's like so that we when we work with attorneys, when we're selling real estate, we can speak the language a little bit. We can understand the problems, understand the depth of it. Sometimes, you know, we send things to attorneys to get the customers to sign and we get it back in an hour because yeah, there's four yeah. parties involved. It's more complicated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as realtors, we expect things done right away and we move on realtor time and, and attorneys, unfortunately, have clients they have to deal with and it doesn't move that quickly. So just, you know, I just want to thank you personally, Jeff. You've been a good friend, but also a great um, advisor and teacher for all of us on this call this time or previous times. I want to tell much I appreciate you taking time with us and share, you know, you shared it. Uh, uh, you are the great Bill Gross. You are a great guy. You are the king of marketing. And you have, re you have referred me to various uh, uh, um, places to eat and to buy <laughs> Judaica. Uh, and we have followed your advice and we've never been disappointed. Um, Thank you. Uh, the, um, the topic that you bring, which is, you know, the uh, probate sales, you know, you're so good at it. Uh, coincidentally, I've had a number of probate sales lately. Um, and what's fun about them is that I've been doing them remotely. Yeah. And which is, which is kind of uh, unusual to hear because especially when you have to sort of be present to try to qualify uh, potential overbidders who show up in the court. Right. So now what I'm doing is because I'm appearing remotely, you know, you got the brokers showing up and the brokers, go. I say, I actually like give little lectures to the brokers and say, okay, I'm here. You're there. You have to actually find the nerve to stand up in the courtroom and say, are there any overbidders here? And then yeah. they themselves will go out and qualify them yeah. in the hallway. Yeah. Um, but in each of those situations, I think I've had three remote since this whole thing, the whole pandemic thing began, I've had three remote court sales, but none of them have had overbidders. So we haven't had any uh, situation where the brokers actually had to see if they can get, if the, if the certified check's there for $1,000 over the, you know, over the overbid amount, for, you know, increments of 1000 But that day will come. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Well, interesting time. Well, I, I'm, again, I appreciate the chance to work with you and your insight and your support. And uh, thank you so much. Oh, you um, got it, Bill. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for the rest of you, we do this every week, uh, Probate Weekly. We do it Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We usually live stream it on YouTube and Facebook. We had a little technical issue this week as I'm out of town. But I appreciate your support and questions. And Jeff, if somebody want to get a hold of you to talk about estate planning particular. Now, what I don't want is every realtor on this call to call him up and <laughs> so this is business because that's just not how it works but if you have a specific estate planning client or if you are an estate planning client that uh that you think is appropriate for jeff how should they reach out to you to uh, talk to you about that and see if that makes oh sense okay well well thank you for the opportunity um i forgot all about the fact that yeah there's a uh, there's actually a business end to uh appearing on your show but i enjoy it so much that i forget about that um my my name is jeff condon you google me i'm in the book i i will that, that's an old folks phrase I'm easily findable because of the two books that I've written. You Google Jeff Condon, estate planning. I'm going to show up like about, you know, 35,000 times. Um, I'm in Santa Monica. My phone number is 
310-393-0701. That number again, 310-393-0701. You call me, you chat with me, you email with me. There is no charge for that first uh, encounter, however that is, whether it's Zoom, email, in person, on the phone. Happy to do it. Love talking to people, love helping people. This is what I do. Please take advantage of this offer from an, an attorney to talk to that attorney for free because a, a lot of people attorney. go, what's the catch? There is no catch. Talk to me. I'm fine with that. And we'll have the description as well, uh, both the link to your website and to your phone number. And then if you go see Jeff, make sure you bring something with a Snoopy on it if you want to get in his good graces. <laughs> so, yeah, Jeff, thanks so much. I appreciate you uh, so much. And everybody, uh, Thursdays, 4 o'clock p.m., probate weekly. Thanks so much. Subscribe if you like to see this regularly. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much, everybody. See you at the pool, Bill. See ya. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>